Please turn your Bibles over to the book of James. <clears throat> and to our guests, I said it to a couple of our guests today that um, I gave them a heads up that we are studying from the book of James. If you don't already know, the book of James is a, a big antibiotic pill. It's this big and you have to swallow it with no water. I haven't even said anything yet. <laughs> Praise God for children. Amen. Here we go. Pro, uh, James chapter 4. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Humility cares, cures worldliness. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is the word of the Lord. I entitled our message tonight, Humility in Action. Humility in action. Why humility in action? Because the book of James has told us that faith without works is dead. And I believe so is humility. Humility with no action means it's cheap because talk is cheap. Now, a pastor was given an award for humility. He, his church gave him an award, most humble pastor in the world. And then a week later, the congregation took it from him because he had it displayed in his office. That's a, that's a joke. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Talk is cheap. You know, talk is cheap. It's, you, action usually communicates the sincerity. They say they love you, but they're never there for you. They speak harshly to you, but they're always there for you. So actions speak louder than words, doesn't it? I remember when I used to work at, when I, when I worked at the El Dorado in, um, when I was 16, months in from the Philippines, um, you know, in the casino, there's different culture, which is very interesting. Uh, there was a Latino guy. Uh, that was working in the back. I was walking in the hallway behind the restaurants there. And obviously the, the Hispanic guy, Hispanic man, who reminded me of my dad in his, in his appearance, could not speak English. But he called for my attention. He's, a, he's one of those guys that take the trash out. So he had these two big trash bins that he needed to load on the cart. So he called for me. He went like this pointing at me, whistled and pointed at me. I can't whistle. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one. You get the picture, right? He whistled and pointed at me. So I too cannot speak Spanish. So I said, I whistled and I pointed at myself. I go, and then he whistled again, shaking his head in, in agreement. And then I went, and then he went, Pointed at the trash, the, the, the bin, 
Like telling me that he needs my help to carry the trash bin to the cart. So I did it. I did it. I did it. I lifted it, carried it. And then, and then he went, like saying thank you. And I said, all right. <laughs> no words were said. Mostly action. Because words without action is cheap. So is humility. You say to yourself you're humble, but there's no action, then it's not real humility. And we just read in verses 7 to 10, these are the points that we're going to be tackling tonight. Brace yourself. We have seven, so you need to think fast. Like the vision school yesterday, they were thinking fast. I need you to think fast too. First point is relinquish control of your life. Second is resist the devil. Third is restore worship as a priority. Fourth is renounce sinful actions. Um, third or fourth is renounce sinful. And then fifth is re reject sinful attitudes. Sixth is react to sin and sorrow. Seven, refrain from facetious attitude toward evil. Facetious. A lot of points. But those are everything that we read in those nine verses. So first point. Relinquish control of your life. Submit yourselves then to God. Somebody's going to say right now, the proud person will say, never, never. This is why. This is why the action of humility goes to surrendering. Relinquishing control of ourselves over to who? To God. And you're going to say, so the proud person will say, I never. I always want to take control of my life. I never let anyone take control of my life. Have you ridden a plane? Uh, unless you fly your own plane, you've given control of your life to someone else. Have you gone to the doctor? Now, I believe most doctors, even though they are medical doctors or surgeons, they cannot do surgery on themselves. They have to put their lives, submit their lives to someone else's hand. So the proud person should say, wait a minute, if I in one more, in more ways than one have surrendered or submitted the control of my life to someone else, it should be good for me to submit myself to God. These things that we're going to be discussing are commands from James, from God through the Apostle James. Now, commands for some people, they don't like it. They hear the word command, especially the American Christian, the independent Christian, I do me Christian. We don't like commands, but we have to understand when the Bible speaks of commands, this is what God is saying. I want to protect you. Therefore, do this or don't do that. Those are what commands of God are for. They're not to tell us to be, hey, I don't want you to be happy, so do this or don't do that. No, commands from our loving God is to protect us from getting hurt. So us being commanded that we are to submit ourselves to God means that we have to give Him full control. We have to commit our lives over to Him. Now, that's going to be extremely difficult if you don't trust God. Now, the book of James is for believers. 
right? It was written for believers. Now, if you are here and, and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus and you're thinking, so what does that mean to me? You have to submit your life to God because he has paid for your sins against him. Extremely difficult if you don't trust God. In Proverbs 3, 5, 6 reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, not some, all of your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight, not crooked. Some of us say, oh, I'm creative. I'm just created this way. I like to create. I like to navigate through life differently. I don't like necessarily a straight point from point A to point B. I go here for a long time and then maybe go back to the starting point. No, we have to submit our lives to God and he will give us that straight you know, the, the people of Israel could have made it to the promised land short, in a shorter period of time. But because of their stubbornness, their wicked heart, it took them 40 years. 40 years. Versus nine weeks. Now, the question, is God trustworthy? I believe so. I believe so. If you're going to be honest, you're going to say so. God is trustworthy. He, he was always there for you. He is always there for us. Submit. The meaning, the original meaning is to obey. Now obey God, basically. All of his commands. Now if we are to give full control of our lives over to God and we are to trust him and we are to obey, obey all his commands, the next point that James wrote here, interesting enough, talks about the enemy. Resist the devil and he will run away from you. In the book of James, God has repeatedly reminded his people, us, that the believer has an enemy, and that is Satan. Satan runs the world, so the world is against God's will. And then again, he says here, resist the devil and he will run away from you. Resist is that we are to stand against. We are to oppose, resist, withstand, atisteme. Atisteme is the Greek word. I'm smiling and my wife's smiling at me because I've been practicing it the whole morning. Atisteme, atisteme. And then she goes, it's like atis, atis, now I forgot. Antihistamine. <laughs> I could have just said Benadryl, Benadryl. <laughs> it's resist, resist, go against. Now, I've, I've never had any victory against any known enemy of mine. Or a bully of mine when I was growing up. Um, if I did not fight against them. I've never found victory. Becoming friends with them. Never. Our country did not find any victory. By giving billions of dollars. To known enemies of our country. We've never seen victory that way. There is resistance. You have to stand against it. You are to oppose it. Remember we studied a few Sundays ago. That we are when we stand with God. We are in the opposition of all his enemies. And one of his enemies, Satan. The right question will be, okay, so, okay, I get it. I need to resist the devil. How do I resist the devil? 
written down in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And also, again, spelled out in Ephesians 6, 11, then, then what? What do I do? Okay, the enemy's prowling around. What do I do? Put on the full armor that God gives you. So that you will be able to stand up against the devil's, the devil's evil tricks. When I, when I speak to my brothers and sisters, and when they are struggling, and I say, how's your quiet time with God? How's your relationship with God? And they say, close to non-existent or lukewarm. We will never find victory if you don't spend time with God. Because you, you saw it in First Peter, right there. First, the enemy is looking for someone to devour. Now, I don't know if I've convinced you enough or the Bible has convinced you enough that there is an enemy out there that you cannot see that is out to get you. Maybe you haven't believed that yet. Maybe you just think, oh, it's just me being a bonehead with my bad decisions. That too. But there is another thing. There is an evil force there. That is seeking, planning precisely to make us stumble. Because when we stumble as Christians, we don't lose our salvation. We have been saved for, for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. From our sins yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We have co- we, we've been covered. But you know, when we sin, we feel discouraged. And when you feel discouraged, you don't want to be used for God. You don't even want to identify as a Christian because, you know, you feel that guilt. You're just like, ah, I stink as a human being. That's that's the enemy. That's what the enemy does. He wants to carry on that bag. He wants you to carry that luggage, that baggage of of guilt that you shouldn't be carrying anymore. But see, the, 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 the Lord says through James, the apostle James, resist the devil. How do you resist the devil? You stand firm in the faith. You put on the full armor of God. You put it on. You put it on. You take it upon yourself. It is your responsibility. Your Bible will not speak to you if you don't read it. If it's on your Bible, if it's in your bookshelves, it will not magically appear while you're taking your coffee. Like a Harry Potter movie. And then it opens to the right page, just where you need it. And you're like, oh my goodness, God is good. No, you actually have to take it and put it down. And assign a certain period of time in the day to say, Lord, I want to spend time with you. Please speak to me. I don't want to fall into the trap of the enemy. Humility in action is submitting ourselves to the Lord and resisting the devil. Fighting against the devil is acknowledging. Listen to this. Resisting the devil is acknowledging that we cannot do it with our own strength. You cannot be persistent against the devil. No, you cannot do this with your own strong will. No, you're not strong enough. Don't believe that lie. You have to humble yourself and say, I cannot do it. Apart from Christ, I cannot do anything. 
Again, the study is about James, but I want to show you where, if you didn't know it yet, we studied the book of Ephesians, many, the, the last study that we did. So stand ready with truth as, belt, as a belt tight around your waist, with righteousness as your breastplate, and as your shoes, the readiness to announce the good news of peace. At all times, carry faith as a shield, for with it you will be able to put out all the burning arrows shot by the evil one and accept salvation as a helmet and the word of God as the sword which the Spirit gives you. Humility in action, humility in action is resisting the devil. Humility in action is submitting yourself to the Lord. And humility in action shows a restoration or restore worship to priority. Of course, Pastor Joe will say worship as a priority because that's his job. <laughs> True. <laughs> he really is. I need to remind you from Sunday to Sunday to make God your priority. I need to remind you that from Sunday to Sunday, I didn't say just Sunday, right? I said Sunday through Sunday. Every day must be a life of worship for the believer. That is humility in action. Come near to God and He will come near to you. The most powerful being in the world that doesn't need us constantly seeks to be with us. Isn't that just mind-blowing? You know, in the Old Testament, only the priest can come in the, the place called Holy of Holies. And they have to make certain blood sacrifices of certain animals, the perfect animals, before they can actually go in because they need to cleanse themselves before doing so, before speaking to God, because God cannot be with sin. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, when He spilled His blood, the ultimate sacrifice, sacrifice has been done. That every believer now has the privilege and honor, access to God. I don't know why we take it for granted. We have the access, but we take it for granted. You know, it's... I feel like it, we're, we've been so unfair to God. Like, we will always be unfair to God when it comes to that. It's like a parent that just seeks to be with their children. Right? You're constantly just, are they going to call me today? Are they going to come over today? Are they going to say hello today? It's, it, I mean, some people will say, you know, I mean, you know what? I'm saved by grace, Pastor Joe. I worship God at home every now and then. I worship God when I'm driving to work. I don't really need to be at church to worship Him. I don't need to be with other believers. I mean, I can worship Him on my own. You know, you're right. 50%, you're 50% right. You can worship God, and you are supposed to worship God by yourself. Whatever you're doing from day to day, you are to do that. But there is one appointed time during the week that we are told by God to spend time with Him. And a, a person with humility and acting it out has a restoration of worship in their lives, and they make it their priority. Because this word, come near to God. Oh, I don't have it there, huh? Worship as a priority should be verse 8. Come near to God and He will come near to you. 
Now, in Romans 12, 1, it says here, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Humility in action or a living, a life living in humility is a worshipful life. It's filled with praising God, worshiping God. Some people will say, I will die for God. Good. How about try to live for Him? I will die for my children. Good. But try to live for them too. Right? A, you know, a sarcastic guy will say, you know, I'm married to my wife. Doesn't matter if I spend time with her or, any, you know, or not. I'm married to her. She's married to me. We'll see how, that, how long that will last. Spend enough time away from your spouse and see how far he or she will be far uh, away from you. Because they're, they're in the, when you're in a relationship, there must be time spent. If that is true with us, that is true with God. There must be time spent. There has to be intimacy. Remember, Christianity is a relationship. It's not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. We have a relationship with God. So the more we don't spend time with Him, the farther we are to Him. So a humble life, a person who is humble and how he's living it or she's living it has a life of worship and it's making it a priority. Psalm 102 should be true for a person that is humble. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. And in John 4, 24, God is spirit and His worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. There's this the reality of it is, is that the people that we spend time with, they know our birthdays. They know if we're sick. They get to know if we're happy. They get to know about our success. We get to know about their heartbreaks. The people that we are tied close with. Whenever their heart breaks, we know about it. When God says, come near to God and draw near to God and God will draw near to you. And you say, I, I, I don't feel God anymore. Well, let's just ask the question, who moved? Who moved? Because the Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is always there. But the person that always makes the choice of being far away from God is actually us, not God. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Renounce sinful action and attitudes. A person that says he, is, he or she is humble, humility in action says that you are to renounce sinful actions and attitudes. Wash your hands, you sinners. Physical, physical aspect. There are physical things that we need to stop as Christians to stop doing. Amen? 
Now, I don't know what it is for you, but we all have it. We all have those sins that we still want to hold on to. And God is saying, if you're going to draw near to me and I will draw near to you, you need to also let go. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. And in the inside, in the inside, there has to be the belief system of every Christian must change from the inside. Purify your hearts, you hypocrites. Hypocrite is synonymous to, the, you know, this is what they call the actors and the actresses uh, during the, their time. And at the same time, I think we, we can call the actors and actresses hypocrites as well. Because they are pretending. That's what a hypocrite is. They are pretending to be someone that they are not. James, the Lord, through the Apostle James, isn't saying here that God is expecting perfection. That's a trap. That's a trap, and that's a lie from the enemy. God knows that we cannot be perfect while we are here. We cannot be completely delivered from our sins while we are still living in our flesh. God is saying, what God is saying, because he said it, he said it in Leviticus 28, 21.8, in Exodus 19.6, in 1 Peter 1.16. He's not talking about perfection, but what is he talking about? He says this, Be holy because I am holy. We are to renounce sinful actions and attitudes. We are to let go of it. Not perfection, but holiness. When we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. When He is with us, He gives us victory. He gives us victory for that specific thing that's tempting you. For that sin that's just been dragging you down. When you draw near to God, He will give you victory for that battle. For that particular battle. Remember in Romans 7, Paul Paul struggled in Romans 7. Paul confessed in Romans 7. Because you know what? When you draw near to God and He draws near to you, what happens? You get to find out, if I can have everybody's attention. When you're drawing near to God and He is near to you, what truly happens is your imperfection is magnified. And because His perfection is just right in front of your face. The more you get to know who God is, the clearer it is, the bigger the sinner that we are. You know, I've shared it before and I'll share it again today. You know, I've been, I've been trying to get in shape. After what happened to Jamie, you know, I took, I took health seriously, which includes getting in shape. So I've, I've, been, I've been hitting the gym more than I've ever uh, for a long time since... I got married. Uh, because, you know, when I got married, I'm like, there's no point of getting in shape. <laughs> I got the woman already. <laughs> Time to get big. <laughs> no, but when you're at the gym, you know, when, when I was working out, the, working out at nighttime, there was not enough people. Well, let me, let me be clear. There were some people, but I was the biggest one. And if, when I was the biggest one, I was the strongest one. Whatever I was pushing was the biggest weight. And I would walk that gym like, please look at these little guys here. <laughs> and then now I'm going in the morning and I'm seeing these big boys, monster kids, 217 pushing 450 pounds. 
He shook my hand the other day and I think it broke. <laughs> but this is the point. If you compare yourself with little guys, you think you're strong. You think you're somebody. Max Lucado, he had a swimmer, an Olympic swimmer as a member in his church. And then he invited that same guy. He said, hey, uh, I want to pick up swimming. Can you go with me? And, and the swim, Olympic swimmer goes, yeah, let's go. He took him to the gym that's named after him, you know. So they're like, all right, let's go. They start swimming. And then Max Okato, by the time he took the second, you know, to finish on the second lap or the first lap, as he was touching the wall, he turned and he saw the, the Olympian just touched it seconds before he did. And he goes, whoa. Hey, uh, the guy's name's David. David, you just touched it moments before I did. And the, guy, the Olympian goes, I did. And he goes, wow, well, you look at that. And then Max Lucado, he says, I have a future in this. <laughs> but then the, the swimmer goes, yeah, that was my third lap. <laughs> the more you spend time with God the more of your imperfection you will see. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That is why Paul wrote Romans 7. The more that I get to know him, the, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I do, I don't want to do. The things that I it's just it's just so mind-blowing for him. He couldn't do it anymore. But look at Hebrews 10.22. So let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith with hearts that have been purified from a guilty conscience and with bodies washed with clean water. We believers of the risen Christ have been given the great privilege to come in the presence of the holy, mighty, loving God. Amen? He gives us that. He has given us that. He gives us the privilege to pray to Him and he tells us, I can hear you. I will hear you. And I have the power to respond to any and all of your needs. Come to me, all of you who are weary and tired. And I will give you rest. Isn't that God's invitation? You come to him. Seek and you will find. Ask and you will receive. Knock and it will be open for you. God's invitation of constant relationship, opening himself up to us. Unfortunately, sometimes we take it for granted. Humility in action is a life of worship and a life that renounces sinful action and attitudes. Now, to renounce, to renounce your sinful action, you have to be able to say this and you have to be able to put your name there. I want nothing more to do with this, whatever this is. Whatever that this is that's holding you back. And you know God is saying, just give that up for me. Stop that relationship. Give up that vice. Don't go to that place anymore. That right there. And fifth point, react. Humility in action reacts to sin in sorrow. And you refrain from facetious attitude toward evil be sorrowful cry and weep change your laughter into crying your joy into gloom we have to hate our sin 
Because our sin is what put Jesus on the cross. If we love God, we have to hate our sin. Amen? It has to be more than a quick yes. But it has to be a lifestyle of yes. Yes, I hate my sin. So our lifestyle must reflect that answer. Our conviction versus whatever that sin is that is not giving glory to God must be real and it must show because talk is cheap. But humility does it in action. Be sorrowful. Cry and weep. Change your laughter into crying, your joy into gloom. Again, Paul, Paul, when he was suffering in Romans 7, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. Wretched man I am, he says, who will rescue me from this body? Good thing he said it in Romans 8, right? But praise be to God. It is Jesus. Humility in action. We react to sin in sorrow. We don't enjoy it anymore. That's the problem. If you are not giving up your sin for God because you love your sin more than God right now. That's just the plain and honest truth, right? Yeah? Should we just go to pop bless right now? I told you this is an antibiotic this big and you can't take it with water. The book of James is so clear. It's so clear, but it's so heavy. It's so true because it's so true about us. Many times we have just used God to bless us. An ATM machine. Bless me, Lord, with this. I want another car. I want another house. I want another suit. I want another trip. You know, we just use him as as that. But he is way more than that. He is a loving God that wants an intimate relationship with us. That if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. But don't make no mistake about it. If you're truly near with God, he will reveal in your prayer time the things that he wants you to give up. You know, those, those sins that you've been so callous to that you can no longer feel it, right? When I was trying to play the guitar, you know, those, it hurts, you know, like a baby, you know, like, uh, you know, A minor is so hard to do because it's so, it's so, it hurts my fingers. But then Mikey and, and, and Naomi, you know, like they don't care <laughs> what hurts. Nothing hurts because they built up those calluses. You know, unfortunately, sometimes in our hearts, we built up calluses there. We've been sinning and this sin we've been so used to. There's now, there's, there's protection in the cavity of our hearts that we need the Holy Spirit to penetrate and say, hey, that thing, you need to stop. And we need to humble ourselves. We need to be sorrowful. We need to be saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I can't believe that I forgot that that is a sin. Please forgive me. Because, you know, if you ask, if you act in humility like that, If you turn your life and you repent and you say, Lord, I want to live for you. This is what he says. But if we confess our sins to God, he will keep his promise and do what is right. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all our wrongdoing. Not some. All. 
It's the same. You know, in Hebrews, I, I don't have it there, but I have, I have my Bible here. In Hebrews 4.11, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the example of disobedience. When, when God has revealed it to us, we need to jump into it. Jump into action and say, yes, Lord, I, I recognize my sin. I want to turn my life around for you. Help me live for you. Because, you know, again in Hebrews 4, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Don't be proud. If God has revealed sins in your heart, that sins to you, sins of your sins in your heart or in your prayer time, in your Bible reading or in the message, don't be proud. It will be best that you humble yourself and approach a throne of grace because God gives more grace. He seeks to give mercy. You know that? While we are still here, He constantly still seeks to give us mercy. He wants to forgive us. So it's good that we approach a throne in confidence and we, we know that if we ask forgiveness from him, he will forgive us. Humility in action is what God, through the Apostle James, reminds all of us to do. We first and foremost, again, must submit to his lordship and then trust him in everything. Everything means with our entire lives. By trusting him, we have to be against his enemy. And in order for us to fight the enemy, we are to humble ourselves in worshiping God, in praying to God, in reading his word. And we are to draw near to him. As we draw near to him, it makes the enemy go away. He runs away. And as we continue to live a humble life, the humble life is made up of worship. And a humble life of worship makes us leave a life of sin. We depart. We stop living a life of sin. We, it's a complete abandonment. And we recognize, and our hearts must be, that it's no laughing matter. That our sins are not a laughing matter because it costs our Lord Jesus dearly. It cost him to die the most horrific way to die, the crucifixion. Now all these truths are what humility looks like in action. Amen? And we will close with this verse. Philippians 4.8 reads, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble... Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Amen? This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. As the music team make their way up here. If you have any decisions you want to make this evening, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord for the first time and be finally be forgiven from the sins that you've committed against him, please come up so we can lead you into that prayer 
and that you will be forever saved from now and forevermore. If you have been visiting us for quite some time and the Lord Jesus has impressed it in your heart to become a part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, if you have a prayer need, please come up so we can pray for you. I know uh, Deacon John or Deacon Vince, Brother Will, can be up there and I will be down here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message for us this afternoon. We thank you for your people that you brought here. We thank you for your sovereign hand that protected us from point A to point B. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that spoke to us tonight. I pray for our hearts to retain all the truths that you have revealed to us, especially the ones that you are dealing with us. I pray, Father God, that we will be humble and that we will accept your correction as we confess our sins to you. And we pray, Lord God, that you strengthen us and enable us to live a life that is glorifying to you. We ask all these things in your Son's sweet and mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. Let's all rise.